Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Can we just do it together? Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't, don't throw all that on me. <laughs> I know. No, it's going to be good though, man. We're excited about it. We've just been talking back and forth about this idea of love. You know, we... We talk a lot about love here at Faith City Church, and so I believe sometimes it's good for us to break that down. What does that mean? What does that look like to have a life that's a foundation of love? And so, you know, I, we've been, we talk about it quite often. Um, you know, Pete and I have been really growing in this journey together, haven't we? Yeah, you, you're definitely leading the way, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, trying to grasp onto the coattails, but what we've learned through the love is, hey, it's just a shoe size. We're not forcing anyone to fit into your shoe size or my shoe size. Everyone has your own place, your own journey that you're taking. It's your journey. But some of us, we're taking it together and we're taking the same steps. And so through that process of the Father loving us is just us loving everyone else so that we can all love each other. Yeah, and I think it's good to have someone to go along the journey with you because sometimes Definitely. you can feel like you're alone, you know, when you're trying to go from one box to another. And so for Pete and I being, you know, really best best friends, um, that process was we've done so many things together. I mean, we've worked together. We've toured together. We've done these things. And we used to be in a place where it was completely different. It was based on how hard are we working for God. And we would encourage each other. I know. But that's the form we were in. Yes. And it was a good form for the time because then it brought us to the grace of it God, was. to the kingdom and his With love. With great intentions, we, <laughs> yeah. we made some ridiculous rules that, <laughs> you know, man, I remember this whole brotherhood that I wanted to start. And we could like, man, we could invite guys to come in. and Only and certain it, elite guys, it though. Really Whatever was. that means. I mean, exactly. Yeah. With good intentions. I sure. mean, that, that was our heart. Is Our heart was just to run after God as hard as we could. But then we realized, no, he's running after us. Yeah. There's such a difference when you, when you change that around that, you know, yeah. it's, it's Father God that's running after you and saying, you don't, you don't have to prove yourself to me. In fact, when I show you who you are and whose yes. you are, all that stuff's going to flow out, you know. That's why we push identity here at Faith City so much. Because yeah. when we understand who we are, who he has made us to be, it gives us confidence to step out. Yeah, yeah. I love this here. The Apostle John writes in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, really our main text for this morning. This is Jesus speaking to the disciples. And what's interesting about this is this is at the Last Supper. And we talked last week about the Last Supper, the Passover celebration of the Jews, and Jesus being a Jew was celebrating, but it was his last Passover, and then from there he went into this brand new way of what we call communion or the Eucharist. But this is at this point, he's actually washing the disciples' feet. Yes. And there's a guy named Peter. Have you heard of him before? I have. Where he said, Lord, don't, don't wash my feet. And he's like, no, I must do this. And he's yes. like, well, then wash my whole body, right? And like, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all out. I don't know what's going on. Right. But here's Jesus, and we were talking about this last night, that the cross is an ultimate dis- display of what love is. Totally. I mean, the culmination of love would die for you. But even at this Last Supper, Jesus initiates a new covenant, and he washes their feet, which was a sign of a servant. Right. So he says to them, while this process is going on, he says, let me give you a new command. And here it is. Listen, love one another. Say that with me. Love one another. Love one another in the same way, and he's demonstrating it right here, yes. and then he will on the cross, in the same way you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples, my students, my followers, when they see the love you have for each other. So what does it mean to be a believer? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I mean, what does that look like? And, and here's an important question today. What do you actually do to live a Christ-like life? And that's really what we're going to talk about because there is some doing. Sure. But it's, it's the foundation that comes from, right? Yes. So here's a question. Has anyone here ever dealt with back pain or back issues? Look at those hands. Wow. Well, Way then, too many. Then, okay, okay. How about you, Pete? <laughs> okay, let me paint a picture for you. Yeah. New Hampshire. White Mountain Boogie Festival. Dude. 
<laughs> Somewhere in like 2010, 11, yeah, sure. 10, somewhere in there. Yeah. Give us a yeah, story on I that. Love, you know, you love a good story. <laughs> Especially one that you can laugh at somebody about. Because, no, by the way, we were the rhythm section for a blues band. So we, we, yes. Yeah. So we were on tour in New Hampshire, up in the mountains. Beautiful. Beautiful. You remember the syrup? The, no. The pancake syrup that oh, the, the, the yes. guy put on, he made his own syrup. Yeah, Ridiculous. all you had to say was pancakes. That's another story. <laughs> White Mountain Boogie Fest. We get there. It's this huge festival. We're on this mountain. There's, like, all these people. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, they do a changeover in between bands, which sometimes lasts between five and ten minutes just to it. switch the stage. So I don't exactly know how, many, how much time we had for changeover. I think it was about ten minutes. We took, we took the stage, switching everything over. I threw my drums up there, got everything. We're all ready. I sit down. It's like two minutes to go time. <laughs> I reach down underneath my drum seat to grab a bottle of water to take a drink before we start. And I'm grabbing the bottle, and my back goes, <laughs> and I sat up. That's, you know what that means, right? I do that all the time with my kids. I'm like, <laughs> yep, it happens. It happens. And I'm telling you what, I looked around at Andy, at Rusty, and I said, how much time do we have? And they're like, a minute and a half? I don't know. I'm getting my bass stuff together. Next What's thing going? they know, I'm off my drums on side stage over yeah. in the back, and I'm laying on the ground. And, you know, I'm doing the hip thing, yeah. you know, like the chiropractor does, trying to put my back Back together. Well, we've known each other for a long time. So yeah. when you said that and how much time you left, I was like, I don't know. What I, thought. I, was, I heard something in his voice. So I look up and he's gone from the drums. I'm like, maybe I had to use the bathroom or something, right? And I, I look over the backstage and I see him doing this rocking thing. And I went, no, it's his back. Because I've had my back go out too and issues and oh my gosh. So I'm like, no. So you get back up in the drums. I'm like, dude, did your back go out? <laughs> my back went out. And I struggled through the next 45 minutes of playing, sitting there with every cymbal crash, Getting just worse. spasming, yeah, going through my back and the tears running down my face. I was, I was struggling. <laughs> and I would run up to the drums fun. like I'm playing and pretend like we're into it. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? You're going to make it. <laughs> he was. He was feeling the pain, feeling the pain. And I was definitely feeling the pain. So the set gets over. Andy steps over to me and he's like, Bro, we'll get your drums. We'll get your drums. And the drums were the last thing I could think of. Because a changeover time. has to be fast. Yes, changeover yeah. was happening. I get up. I stood up. And I walked literally like an old man <laughs> off stage, right? Everybody else cleared the stage. They headed for the merch tent to sign autographs and sell CDs, T-shirts. And I made a beeline for the van. Well, you were heading to the van. You never <laughs> well, made it to was, the van. That was the point, was to get to the so van. So we get everything off backstage, just so it's off stage, we can start packing it up. And I hear this voice. Andy! <laughs> I had literally gone as far as I could go, and then I could not pick my legs up anymore. I'm like, and I was Lord? Just, Lord? I'm in the middle of this field, <laughs> yeah. headed to the van, and I'm like... Andy, and my back was just, yeah. just, and I was ready to fall down, but I knew if I did, I would just spasm laying on the ground. So I turn, I look over about 50 yards out, and I literally see him frozen in place. I'm like, no. So I run. So rough. I help you get to the, to so the van, rough. and I'm, all night I'm waiting on you. I'm like, he did. He brought me hamburgers <laughs> and drinks, and I couldn't get comfortable the whole time we were in the van. In the van. From the van, we went to the hotel. Oh, getting out of the van. The trip from the van to the hotel door, I had a guy on each side, and my back was throbbing so bad. I was in so much pain that I was literally laughing. Yes. I was laughing and crying at the same time. Because it was spasm. You almost go to your knees. You're yes, like, whoa. I, I was, ah, <laughs> it was so funny because I could see outside my body, but I was, I was really struggling. So we get to the hotel. You're like, just lay me in bed. I'm Dude, not moving. you got me to spot. my room. I will pee the sheets. I don't care. I'm not moving. <laughs> I was ready to. I didn't. I could not. And then, you know, the trip from New Hampshire home. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty crazy. But, you know, through that process for me, never once was like, oh, my gosh, what a baby. Or, oh, my gosh, I've got other things to do. Um, I mean, what, what would be the reason that I would be there at a side, that I would do what I did and, and be there for him? Right. Well, 
we love each other. You That's know, it. you you've always been there for me, vice versa. I've been there for you. You know, it's all about love. I agree. And the same thing. And, and, and I love the Apostle John goes on to say, because ultimately what inspires us to love each other like this, First John 4.19, another one of my favorite verses, we love because he first loved us. Plain and simple. There's something that happened there. So again, this is definitely one of my favorite verses. I mean, think about this. Even our ability Pete, to love comes from his love for me. Yeah. It's reciprocal. So how, how's your bag now? Great. Amen. Love you, man. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to this series because uh, there's going to be so many more stories and just things that we're going to get to share, but it's all on this foundation of love. That's really what it comes down to and talking about, you know, what does it look like? Because I think sometimes what happens is we have, we have two sides of, of the road and how many know if you go too far either side of the road, you fall into a ditch. And so we have this ditch of complete legalism where you just need to do it because you need to do it and God expects it so you better do it but then the other side it's we would say grace but I don't necessarily think it's grace I think grace runs right in the middle it empowers us to do what we need to do and are supposed to do it's the side says well I don't have to do anything but how many know the kingdom we do things but we do them inspired by this foundation of love and so for the next several weeks we're going to talk about that uh, next week uh, we'll be talking about another facet of this the week after P2B, and we're going to kind of go back and forth. And I love having a different flavor and the different vantage points, and maybe even he and I will do some more talking together. But nonetheless, we really want to paint this picture of what it looks like to live a life in Christ where you have this reciprocal love relationship. Because it's one thing to confess Jesus as Lord, to go to church, to read your Bible, to pray, you know, the, the, the churchy Christian things that we do, which are all great. I believe we should. Again, what inspires you to do these things? But here's the thing, to actually think through the day-to-day of living out this life, it's a completely different thing altogether. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've met people who would say, I'm a Christian, I've prayed a prayer, I love Jesus, but then, and I, I'm sure that I have days like this too, and I know for sure when I was living by the letter of the law, it was probably a lot more of this, but they look nothing like Jesus. There is no love, there's no grace, there's no acceptance. And, and I think a lot of that is, you know, Pete, and we were talking about this even last night, that sometimes we project on the people how we feel. So, if we feel unworthy, if we don't feel good enough, then it's easy. And I don't believe it's, here's the thing we need to remember. It's with good intentions usually. It's not an on-purpose, vindictive type thing. But we have this tendency to look for someone who is worse, I'm doing the air quotes, worse than us because it makes us feel like we're okay. But when we get this love walk right, with this understanding right, we don't have to look around to scapegoat anyone. Because we realize we are okay. We are worthy. And it's when we accept that worthiness that we begin to walk this life that has this foundation of love. So how will that look, living a life of love? How does that apply to me? We could say like this, how does it look to live out the way of love? Or we could even say the way of Jesus. Think about this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now think about even that first sentence, I am the way. There's so much depth in that. And to me, it's partly Jesus saying, guys, even, even the way that you do life, I am that way. So be followers of me and you will see your life transform into who I've already made you to be. And that's the beauty of the gospel. It's awakening people to what's already always been there, always available. It's a gift. It's given freely. And here's what I noticed too. When you begin to walk the way of love, you do view people differently. You view them in a positive light. You view them as just, you know, what's the term in the scriptures? They're lost. They don't know who they are. So then your goal becomes, I want them to discover who they are. I want them to discover whose they are. And so it even makes witnessing, or we call soul winning, so much easier because it's just living this life that's true and genuine and authentic with people and sharing them the love that you're learning from your Heavenly Father. 
Now, if you've been to church for any amount of time, and I would say even if you're online, this is the first time you've ever been at a church service, it, it may be an eye-opener today. But we've been taught five basic purposes, and here's what they are. Evangelism. Now, this is the church strategy. It's evangelism. It's fellowship. It's discipleship. It's ministry, and it's worship. So we have this cycle. And if you even were to take this and you could put it into different steps of how we mature with this church strategy. But then if you look at the Christian life strategy, let's just say at least in the typical Western culture of theology and church, here's what it looks like. It begins with church and prayer. And then you put in some Bible reading and you've got Sunday rest and then serving right? But don't forget the thou shalts. There's some thou shalts. And then give. We need to give in the offering, which is a good thing to do. Nothing wrong with that, right? But then what do we do? We get into a small group. We go on a missions trip. We begin to witness. Oh, thou shalt nots. We can't forget those. And the cycle goes on and on and on. Nothing wrong with this, but if you even converted this to, look how many steps. There's about 10 or 11 steps there. There's a typical Christian life strategy. So my question is, and, and get, I don't want you to hear me wrong, there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Bible writing, Bible reading, uh, Sunday rest, serving, the thou shalts, the thou shalt, nothing wrong with those. But again, what foundation, what, I should say like this, what is inspiring you to do those things? So here's the question, what if God had a better plan? What if he had a better plan Instead of this cycle or all these steps, what if he had a plan that was organic and not manufactured, that was simple, not complex? What if the plan that God had depended on the Holy Spirit, not you trying harder? How about a plan that anyone could manage? Now we're going somewhere with this because I believe that God's plan is like this. A plan that fit into the normal rhythms of life. Like you could actually live life and your gifts and your callings and be who you are within this plan. What about a plan that asks us only to do what we're capable of? A plan that was unhindered by our weaknesses. A plan that left all the heavy lifting to God. See, sometimes we don't realize that God's in our corner. He doesn't go anywhere. He says... In fact, don't try to do life and bear fruit because you can't on your own. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And that the Father, who is one and the same with Jesus, is the vine dresser, the one who takes care of, cultivates, nurtures, waters. And so it's getting this idea that it's, it's a better plan. It's a plan that was powered by something we'll never, ever run out of. And I know you, I mean, you come on, you already know what it is, right? It's love. It's a plan that's based on the greatest commandment of all. Now, do you remember when Jesus, he told a story, he told a lot of stories, and in fact, the stories sometimes have so much depth and meaning to them. I just love his parables and stories. But he told this story of two houses that were built. One was built on sand, one was built on rock. And what happens is the storm comes, it beats against the house on the sand, and what happens? It just demolishes, it wipes it away. But then he says that there's this storm that comes and it beats against the house on the rock. And what happens? It stands. Why? It has a firm foundation. See, the foundation that we build our life upon is so very important. And so that's why in this series, we're going to see that the ultimate foundation for everything is love. It's not works. It's not trying harder. It's love. And what is God? God is love. We're literally building our life on God. So you think about this. Jesus is giving us here in John chapter 13 this, this foundation that we need. He says, in the same way that I love you, you love one another. So think about it. anything that we do in life without this foundation of love is for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Paul talks about this. You can have, you can speak with tongues of men and angels and gifts and prophecies and all these things, but if you don't have love, it amounts to nothing. So the basis of everything, at least in the kingdom, has got to be love. Amen? 
So it was the first day of training camp. The year was 1961. 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team arrived to start a brand new season. The thing is, the previous season ended horribly for the Packers, who squandered a lead to lose the NFL championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. And so they come to training camp. They're probably ready for a new year. I mean, they lost a lead. They they lost a championship. But for them, this was a brand new season, right? And so they arrive at training camp with these great expectations of we're going to play better. We're going to play smarter. We're going to have more effective plays. We're going to change some stuff up. But their coach had a different idea. Vince Lombardi walks into the Green Bay Packers locker room and he says to the team, what actually would become one of the most iconic quotes in sports history. He says, gentlemen, this is a football. Everyone say, duh. Now, let me tell you a little side story here is I'm putting this together and I'm like, I love this story. It's a great story. And I went, oh, wait a minute. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Did you guys know it was Super Bowl Sunday today? I forgot. (laughs) I thought, what a great story. So he walks in and he says to these guys, gentlemen, and they're probably like, all right, coach has got some good stuff to say. What? Give me the new playbook. We got some new players. We're ready to rock and roll. He goes, this is a football. In other words, guys, all the new plays and the new players and, 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 you know, all these things don't matter if we don't get back to the fundamentals, football. We have to get back to the foundation. Sure, there's some new talented players here. You know, our, our coaching staff has made some changes to the playbook. Uh, there's all these new and shiny coaching ideas, but none of this matters if you don't get back to basics. Now, Vince Lombardi was, of course, a Hall of Fame coach, right? Uh, he was an NFL executive, and he was a head coach of the Green Bay Packers uh, during the 1960s, but he led his team during his time to three straight and five total NFL championships in a seven-year span. Gentlemen, this is a football. He got back to fundamentals. He got back to the basics. In fact, today, how many are going to watch the Super Bowl? How many love Tom Brady? That dude, Come on, man. This guy comes to a team and, well, he must love Jesus. But... <laughs> All the Tom Brady haters are like, no, he's of the devil. Anyway, so, but think about this. Today, whoever wins, do you know what trophy they get? The Vince Lombardi trophy. I mean, his namesake in this trophy will be awarded today and every year to Super Bowl winners. I want to say this this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the way of love. It's all about getting back to the fundamentals. It's getting back to the basics and the the most basic thing in the kingdom. And I don't say it because it's easy. I I say it because it's essential is love. Now to sit here and go, yeah, so just love people more. No, that's not what we're saying. Because there's something about the apostle John when he writes these letters to the churches in Asia Minor and he has to specify that we love because he first loved us. There's, there, there must be a training period. There must be some time that we need to spend with Father to really understand this love he has for us because that is our fuel for life. That is what is going to help us grow in the different facets from the foundation of this thing called love. So we can see that foundation matters. We can see that getting back to the fundamentals of anything in life, but more specifically for us here today, getting back to the way of love is essential in the Christian life. Now, the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to start with verse 4. He says, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Now stop there for a second because I want us to realize it isn't Jesus cutting himself off from us. It's us by our own works cutting ourselves off from his grace. But look at this. He says, Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. See how it's either way? He says, what matters is something far more, look at this word, interior, say interior, 
See, the way of love isn't necessarily the outward actions. It starts on the interior, on the inside, and then it flows outward. Everything that we do starts on the inside. Everything that we do starts on the inside. Does that make sense? He says what matters is something far more, doesn't say important, he says interior. Look at this, faith expressed in what? Love. All through the scriptures. It's all about love. From, from the moment of conception by the Holy Spirit, we see that God's love caused him to take on human flesh. To the, the climax of the cross, complete love on display. And even in the resurrection, complete love saying no to the world system of hatred and bigotry and war and violence. It's saying it's all about this life that's led by love. Now just jump down to verse 13. He says, it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Say, he's called me to a free life. But what does that look like? He says, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. This is something that happens sometimes as people go, well, you know, you don't want too much freedom because the first thing they think when they think having freedom in Christ is so I have freedom to sin? No, you have freedom from sin. There's such a big difference from the freedom to and the freedom from, right? So he says, don't destroy your freedom, in essence, by using it to do things that are going to hurt you. Don't use it as an excuse to do whatever you want. Don't destroy that freedom. He says, rather, look at this, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Think about this. He gives you the freedom to serve one another in love. That's pretty powerful. He says that's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Listen to this. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other. How many have seen that in the church? How many have seen that on social media? I mean, People who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I believe in Jesus, I'm a Christian, I serve God, and they're so polarized on either side, they're literally annihilating each other. I think about how I feel when my children don't get along. There's days where it may be going on and on and on, and I'm just finally like, okay, everyone, enough is enough. Your brothers, your brother and sister, you're related, your siblings, you shouldn't treat each other like this. You don't realize that you will live the rest of your life, whether you like it or not, related. <laughs> so learn to love, learn to push through, don't annihilate each other. And I think about how I feel as a parent when you know, our children just can't get along. How does Heavenly Father feel? Now, he doesn't disown us. He never will disown us. But it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be, guys, I told you that they will know that you are my followers, my pupils, my students, my sons, my daughters by your love for one another. And you're completely missing the point by annihilating each other. And then he says this, and where will your precious freedom be then? See, there's a bondage that happens when we, when we choose to walk outside of the realm of love. Think about that. You're born by, from, and into love, right? As a human being. But then we have this choice to walk outside that realm or to walk within it. Complete freedom. And he says, don't use that freedom to do things that are going to put you outside of that. Because eventually, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. How many, though, that, how many would agree, at least if you're, you're a God follower, Jesus follower, that God probably knows what's best for us? 
And so there's a reason that through, through and by inspiration, the apostles and the writers of the scriptures are telling us love, 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 love. Love each other. Treat each other with care. Treat each other with dignity. Love each other. But I don't agree with them. Love each other. But they don't serve God like I do. Love each other. But they don't go to the church that I go to. Love each other. See, that's the connection we have. Even if we have some different theology. Sometimes it's like, so what? You believe in this, I don't. I believe in that, you don't. Do you believe in love? Do you believe that God is love? Do you believe that that's the foundation of everything? If you do, and you begin to operate from that place, we'll find a lot less things to argue about. So he says, and where will your precious freedom be then? So, Let's just take a few moments today because today's really an intro into this and I want to kind of set up for us what it's going to look like over the next few weeks. So what is the way of love? The first thing I want to talk about is love. And I want us to realize that love is our purpose. That This is the purpose that we have in life. Sometimes I think we were like, well, my purpose is to do this and to do that. No, your purpose is to understand, walk in and live out love. I know for some people it's like, wait, wait, I, I heard something different. This is your purpose, love. But see, there's more that comes out of that. But, but we have to get this foundation right. Remember that? Remember that? Gentlemen, this is a football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is love. I want to I reintroduce you to this thing called love. Okay? So if we get that as the foundation, which, which is beautiful, how is this possible, though? How can we get to this place? Well, we read earlier that we love because he first loved us. The more that we realize Father's love for us, the more that we realize we were born in, from, and into love by spending time with Father, by spending time with the Spirit, uh, just sometimes just meditating on, wow, I'm, I'm born in love. That, that's who I am. I am love, too. I'm, I'm made in his image and likeness. It will just radically change how you see, do, speak, all those things. But then what happens is this then flows over to others in love. You're going to hear the word love a lot today in the next few weeks. It's good for us, right? So it starts with God first, and and then it can work its way out into us. But then what happens once we begin to get this foundation of this purpose is the second thing here, the practices. That's relationships. It's service. It's worship. Practices are really important. It's important that we practice the love that we're learning, right? And this is what we do. But again, remember, this is out of love. See, there's a difference when you, when you just tell people, uh, go and do the practices, but they don't have the foundation of love. It just becomes religion and self-effort. It's something I have to do to somehow be more pleasing, be more worthy, and be more loved. But that's the furthest thing from the truth. You're already loved. So steep yourself in it, immerse yourself in it, grow in it. Make sure that's your foundation, and from that come the practices. I say it quite often, but what inspires us or motivates us to do what we do? Is it obligation or inspiration? Because there's a big difference here. And I've been in both spots. Come on, anyone? Pete, we've been in both spots, haven't we? And honestly, when you and I were in that place of, of obligation, which that form fit for a while, it worked. I've talked to people like, I mean, even Pastor Kristen said, you know, when, when I first got into church, the church environment, it was good for me because I needed some parameters in life. There was something about that that gave me a stability. But it makes sense. Because Hebrews, the, the writer of Hebrews, actually talks about how the law was this teacher. It, it was a tutor. It was helping people to see lines and, and maybe some borders and parameters for a while. But eventually, I mean, think about this. Eventually, you graduate at some point. I mean, sometime, at some point, you, I mean, if you're 52 and you're still in the 12th grade, you're, I mean, I know you're a super, super duper senior, literally like a senior, but, but there's a point where you have to graduate up. And, and, and Jesus talks about this law of love. Here it is again. 
Lots of love, guys. The law of love that's been sown into your heart and you live from that. Not tablets of stone. Not Ten Commandments. Not six, 613 rules and regulations. It's not what we live from. We live from our heart. Because we have a new heart. You don't have a wicked heart. You have a new heart. See, there's so many things we got to adjust and see differently. Because if you think you're walking around with a wicked heart, that was something stated by a writer of the Old Testament who didn't get it yet. (laughs) But your heart is made new. So live from your heart. Why? Because your heart is living from love. Does this make any sense? And so it's really important that we see that. So what motivates you? What inspires you to do what you do? It should always be the foundation of love. It's like, it's natural, it's organic, organic it's authentic. We, we don't do them because we're supposed to do them. We do them because we want to, because we have love in our heart. And so it's his love that fuels these practices. Think about this. You can't love and not reach out and have relationships. You can't be full of and love and not serve. You can't love and not worship. See, the foundation, if it's right, gentlemen, this is a football. If you get the foundation right, everything else just begins to flow. And it's like, just kind of natural, right? The toilet seat. You're like, where are you going with this, brother? For most guys, this is a pretty common issue. But when you first get married, you have a tendency to keep that toilet seat up. Am I right? But all it takes is one special night when your lovely bride gets out of bed, nature's calling her to the bathroom, and she sits down not realizing the toilet seat is up. Hey guys, what follows is a life lesson that is not soon forgotten. The shriek of your lovely bride sitting on a toilet with the seat not down, come on, anyone there? This happened to me early in my marriage. And I said, I dedicate myself to to creating a habit of putting that toilet seat down. So you know what I would do? I would use the bathroom like any red-blooded American male. And I would put that seat down afterward. (laughs) But sometimes it'd be the middle of the night. I wouldn't think of it. I would get back in bed. Or maybe I just paused the movie, got out from under the cozy blankets on the couch, and I go to do my business, and then I come back and I sit down. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot to put the toilet seat down. You know what I would do? I would make myself get out from under those covers, whether it was in the bed or on the couch or whatever, and on purpose I would go and put the toilet seat down. Why? I wanted to create a habit. And you know what's crazy? When I walk into a bathroom, public restroom, whatever, someone's house, and the toilet seat's up, it looks weird to me now. I'm like, what? And I like have to put it down. I created a habit. Now, why would I do this? Why would I create this habit? Because I loved my wife. Uh, it, it, it was so important to me that when she walked into the bathroom late at night, that she had this she had a more gracious and comfortable trip to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Let's put it that way. That was extremely important to me. And so I trained myself to do that. You see, that's what love does. It motivates us to do whatever it takes for the benefit of others. It motivates you to do things even, listen to this, even if they're outside of your comfort zone. Now, that's just one of many things. I have this other thing that it's just, I don't know what it is, but I hate the sight of, of, of garbage just laying outside at a grocery store or whatever. And, I mean, I'm not telling these stories to say, wow, look how amazing I am. I've got lots of growth in lots of areas. But these are just things I've trained myself in. And I know it's been a little weird now. Like, I see masks laying everywhere. People apparently forget that they were on their face and they fall on the ground. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to pick that up. But for the most part... When I walk through a parking lot and I see just a piece of garbage trash, it just it, it bothers me to the point where if I walk past it, I have to turn around and pick it up and throw it away. But I thought it was so important for the environment, for my grandkids and my great-grandkids to think through just the little things that I can do, and so I created habits. Why would I do that? Because of love. There's really no other reason. It's not like I love picking up garbage. Anyone here just 
You're like, I got nothing to do. I've already exhausted Netflix. Let's go look for garbage to pick up. Most of us don't do that. But see, when we do things out of love, it's doing something that may be a sacrifice for us, but it's to benefit others. And it's even something that's outside of our comfort zone. And that's important to see. So if you ever feel that unction, that moving to do something and it's outside your comfort zone, most likely it's the spirit. Most likely it's love that's motivating you, right? To say, come on, let's do something. It's not in your comfort zone. It's okay. That's what love does. So as we love, what happens? We begin to build relationships. We begin to perform acts of service and serve others, just like Jesus on that infamous night where he washes the disciples' feet. That was a servant's heart. And then what else? We begin to worship. And that holds so many things. We're going to get into that in the next few weeks. But look at the results. We have our purpose, our practices, but then we have the results. So the foundation is love. The practices begin to flow out of that, of building relationships, serving, and worship. And then here's the results, outreach and growth. There comes a point where you begin to grow and mature. And as you mature, you begin to reach out to others. It goes beyond even just maybe the four walls of the church. It goes into your home, your community, your place of work, the grocery store. Where you start to see people in a different light. And so that love that you're building on, it just, it just cultivates this heart for others. Well, that's growth, right? That's maturity, and then what we end up with after outreach and growth is the outcome, which is DMD. Now, we were talking about this. Pete and I is like, dumb and dumber? I'm like, buddy, it's dumb and dumber, not dumb and dumber. But that was a little joke. We had a running joke. But it's disciples making disciples. It wouldn't really fit in the square, so we just go with DMD. So what is the outcome? It's disciples making disciples. Isn't that what Jesus called us to do? It's been happening for thousands of years now. But see, what we've done, I think, is we've made disciples making disciples into a class that we do or a certificate that I earned. But this is living everyday life. It's, it's teaching and training people that before you go any further, gentlemen, this is love. This is what you build your life on. This is the ultimate foundation. From that, just like I went through the process, I'm going to show you, I'm going to help you, I'm going to be there for you as you build relationship and you begin to serve and worship and then you have outreach and growth and eventually, guess what? People will look up to you and now it's disciples or followers or students or pupils making disciples or followers or students or pupils. So it's really a beautiful flow and it's not something we're in a hurry to do, but there's something important that, that I want to get across today before we bring this to a close and it's this. This first section is what we do. So we're immersing ourselves in love. We're growing in love, the love that's already there. We're becoming more aware of that. We're cultivating that relationship with the Spirit. And then, of course, that outflow is what we do, relationships, service, and worship. But I want us to understand something, that growth and outreach and disciples making disciples, it's actually what God does. Sometimes what we do is we take this, this whole graphic and we say, I got to do all this. But, but we're told by Jesus that he's the vine and we're the branches and that nothing can grow except through him. So your growth, think about this, the pressure this takes off. Your growth is dependent on him, not you. Now, now here's the thing. If we're doing this, the love and the relationships, the service and the worship, that opens us up to receive the growth that he's bringing us. It opens us up to even receive the outreach that he's bringing us. Think about that. We were talking about that last night, that how many times you've been in a situation, and you know, in, in the church circle, you might call it a divine appointment, or you go, wow, that was coincidence. But there's those moments where God brings someone across your path, the perfect timing, and as you're growing in love and relationships and service and worship, your heart's open to receive and to listen and to hear and respond to that situation. And God's the one who brought that outreach. And he's the one that's maturing you and bringing growth. In fact, he's the, he's the, the, Jesus is the ultimate rabbi or master, right? The one who is disciples making disciples. And so we have to see this. We do this. 
God does this. In fact, our focus should always be love, relationships, service, and worship. In the next few weeks, we're going to break down what that means. But God's focus is always, how can I continue to grow you in my love, in who you are, in the gifts and the talents and the things that I've given you. I want to grow you in these things. I want to provide opportunities of outreach. I want to bring people your way. Even those people, think about this. God brings the people along in our life that we're actually disciples making disciples. And so it's not just understanding that that ultimately love has to be our foundation. It's understanding what our focus is and what God's focus is. It doesn't mean it's not important to us, but all of this is an outflow of love. It, you may be here today and say, man, this, okay, that's, that's a lot of stuff. Just start with love. The most important thing. Once you do this, you will begin to understand the relationships, the service, and the worship. Now, again, I want to look one more time at our main text And I I love the translation here in the Mirror Bible. Verse 34 of John 13, it says, I give you a new commandment. Keep on loving one another just as I have loved you. My love for you is the source of your love for one another. Now, I've shared this before, but I think if you've never heard this before, I want you to have an understanding of this. Because a lot of times when we hear Jesus say something like, here's a commandment, I give you a commandment, we have this idea, and, and it's just because of the English language sometimes, how it works, how it breaks down. So we look at it as an order, a demand on us. You must, you must. But this word commandment in the Greek is the word entol, and it actually comes from the word telo. Look at this. It means to set out for a definite point or goal. It's the conclusion of an act or state. It's literally the result It goes on to say it's the ultimate or prophetic purpose. So think about this. Instead of Jesus going, I demand you to do, he's saying, hey, I'm changing your goal. I'm changing the point. I'm changing the result of where you want to be. It's the ultimate or prophetic purpose. What is it? Keep on loving one another just as I've loved you. Now, just that little tweak can make you go, okay, Okay, so he's actually saying, hey guys, through this new covenant, because here's the thing, Jesus didn't come to establish a new religion. Does anyone realize this? He didn't come to say, that is the old covenant, now here's my new religion, the new covenant. That wasn't his purpose. What he's saying is, guys, the Ten Commandments, the sixteen or the six hundred and thirteen rules and regulations of the Jewish law, it had its purpose. It was a form that fit for a time, but now guess what? We're moving from this form to a new form, and then he spells it out. This is the new form. Keep on loving each other just as I love you. Okay, wait, that, that just seems too simple. Well, try loving someone who's unlovely, and you'll realize it's not as simple as it sounds. Come on. Can I get one amen this morning? But it doesn't mean it's impossible. And as you immerse yourself in this love, and as you realize the immense love he has for you, it's, it just does something to your heart. And I found myself loving people that in the past I wouldn't. I'd have a chip on my shoulder. Well, you don't agree with, like I do. You know, believe like I do. You don't agree with me. I've gotten through all that, and it just feels so good. There's that freedom that Paul talks about. A freedom to let people be where they are in the form that they're in at that time. And love them where they are and realize you're not better than them because you're in a different form. You're just in a different form. But we're all on the same journey. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. Then he goes on to say in verse 35, in this environment, which environment? An environment of love. He says, in this environment of your love for one another, everyone will come to know your discipleship unto me. How many would say that you want people to see that you follow Jesus? Not, not because it's a pat on the back or I want to I make sure people see I'm better than anyone else. No, you actually, I literally want people, when I walk into a room, I want them to go, okay, Jesus just entered the room. Do you understand my heart when I say that? I don't want them to fall and worship me and I'm going to show you this nail scar. I'm, what I'm saying is I want people to go, okay, love just walked into the room. Peace just walked in the room. Grace just walked into the room. 
Come on, we, we all know at least one person, hopefully in our lifetime, that when they walked into a room, when you talked with them, you felt like you were the only one that they were listening to. You felt ultimate grace and peace and love. It just like just oozed from them and you just felt safe and you felt comfortable and you felt okay. I believe that's how people felt with Jesus. But see, people who were living lives of sin, which we all know, according to the Greek, sin is when you're living outside of your true, authentic identity. They actually would find their true and authentic identity. Why? Or how? By being in relationship with Jesus. There was something about Jesus. And that same Jesus resides in you. And people need to experience that. They don't need to experience judgment and hate and picket signs and nasty, hateful posts. They need to experience the love of God. That's what's going to change their life. I found that when I tell people how bad they are, they usually drives them away. They don't say, this is great. Tell me more. <laughs> but we're afraid. We're like, well, we got, someone's got to tell. Listen, most people know that stuff's jacked up in their life. Most people do. Most people are like, yeah, I, my marriage is failing. I hate my job. I hate my life. My, my kids hate me. I mean, no, it's not saying every single person, but there's some facet of a life where just things aren't right. You don't have to tell people this. It drives them away. What you do is you tell them who they truly are, how God sees them. His love that was so immense that he was willing to take on human flesh and die for us to show us how much he loved us. And it's within that love and that acceptance that the change begins to happen. Sometimes we're just, I think we get scared because we just, we want the change now. We want it now. It's got to happen now. I want, we we got to happen now. But let me ask you a question. Does the change happen now, 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 now with you? No. It takes time. It's a journey. So let's consider others. They're on that journey too. And so it's going to take time. So will you love and through love, get to that place where you actually are doing acts of service and building relationship and worship. And then from that comes outreach and growth and disciples making disciples. Are you willing to say, okay, God, I'm starting at square one. It's love. Ladies and gentlemen, this is love. Now, there's one thing I want to touch on just real quickly, and that is the opposite of love. What is the opposite of love? Anyone? We would say hate, but really, you said fear. I would, I would also say self in this scenario. But here's the thing. Yes, Morris, we know that, that the opposite of, of love is actually fear. But quite honestly, think about this. Self-centeredness and selfishness, they come out of fear. You fear that you're not good enough. That you're not enough, that you're not worthy, that you need to prove yourself. And because of that fear, what happens? You put yourself first so you can prove that you're okay. And so the opposite of relationships, as we have a graphic right here, is self. And upon that self, if that's our foundation for life, and I would say for part of my life, even as a believer, it was. And I would say it probably drove me to that self-effort because I felt like I had to prove myself. I didn't feel worthy. There was a fear, a literal fear of my heavenly father at one point in my walk. Like, everything is cool unless I irritate him. If I get him mad at me, no, God only knows. Literally, God only knows. And so it pushes you into the self thing. And so the opposite of relationships then and service and worship is networking and image and works. We could even, see dead, even say dead works. So now it's, it's all about you and how you can, you know, make yourself be better and okay in the eyes of God and others. And then the opposite of outreach and growth is our reputation. How much success can we achieve in life? And then instead of disciples making disciples or followers of Jesus, literally bringing other followers of Jesus on this journey, doing life together, it becomes one of status. What's your status in life? You know, I noticed that when your foundation is love, the ultimate pinnacle in this chart that we're looking at is what? It's relationship with others. It's disciples making disciples. How many know that that only happens in relationship, right? 
if you don't have relationships, how are you helping make disciples? It just doesn't happen. And so it's relational. But with self as the foundation, look at this. What is the ultimate pinnacle? What is the outcome? It's that status. It's your status in life. It's all about you, which often leaves no room for anyone else. Think about even in the corporate world. I mean, when people start to rise up the corporate ladder, it kind of freaks those at the top because they have a status to protect, doesn't it? And so they might look for ways to take you out. You've heard of dog eat dog, right? This is because the foundation is self, but when the foundation is love, you're all about relationship, disciples making disciples. So, you know, the comparison here, as we can see, is your motivation can be self, which then makes your strategy networking, you know, image, works. Your goal is your reputation, your success, and the outcome is look at me. Look what I've achieved. But see, devoid of love, that's what you do. You network. You're not building relationships. You're building an image. You're not serving others. You're building on your works. You're not worshiping. But look again at the purpose here of love, or the purpose which is love. When you have your purpose as love, then your practices are relationships, service, worship. Your results are outreach and growth. And then your outcome is disciples making disciples. So over the next few weeks, we're going to discuss these different facets of what it looks like to grow in love. In fact, next week, we'll talk about love. And it's Valentine's Day. Look at this. I talk about Vince Lombardi on Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, Holy Ghost, divine appointment. And then next week, it just happens to be we're going to talk about love, and it's Valentine's Day. Love, love. So before, guys, before you take your lady out, bring her to church, learn about love, and then go share some love. I just want to leave you with this, that our source for this life is love. Without that source, we do everything out of self or from self-motivation and self-effort. So come back here next week as we go through the practices and the results and the ultimate outcome of the way of Jesus, which we would call the way of love. Say that with me, the way of love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we thank you for this opportunity every single Sunday that we have to just really together search the scriptures, um, kind of reconnect, remember <laughs> together in that spirit of love. I pray that this morning, maybe this is something a lot of us have heard, but maybe it's just a bringing to remembrance thing where we're remembering the importance of the foundation. It's, it's gentlemen, this is a football. Ladies and gentlemen, this is love. This is the way of love. Maybe it's just refocusing and what our foundation should be. Maybe for some of us, it's become dead works. It's become something we're just supposed to do. We've lost the inspiration of love and it's become obligation because of maybe what man has told us to do or maybe just a misconception of who you are and what you're about and what you demand from us. It's beautiful to see that Jesus, you really... You gave us one command, and if we see that word right, you gave us a new goal, a new thing to work toward, to uh, stretch for, and that's loving others as you have loved us. So I pray that through this series, we would first and foremost see that the ultimate foundation is your love for us, and then our love as a result of you first loving us. But then through that, we look at these different acts of service, the relationship building, the worship, the things that come out of it, the focus that we have. And suddenly, the things that we do for you, that we do for the kingdom, it's not laborious, it's not hard because we're working from the right foundation. If there's anything that we're missing, if there's anything in our heart, there's a lie that maybe we're believing, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you're shining your love and your light on that right now in Jesus' name. That even now, whether people are physically here, they're watching online, that you're just showing them that the error that they're believing, but not to bring shame, to bring healing, to bring truth, to show us the, the proper way 
to view you, ourselves, and others. And I pray as we continue in this series, we'll be better at the end than we were in the beginning because we chose today to refocus on love. Let love be our main foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the way of love. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You received that this morning. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.